again, it's so important to talk about it because you don't grow, you don't learn, you don't understand what's going on. Just like I did, I didn't understand what it was until I had the opportunity to talk about it. And hopefully I'll be able to reach one more person for them to understand that this isn't good, that this is racism, and maybe I can help them open up to someone. here. Welcome to another episode of Unawa, our online conversational series that comes from the Filipino word that means to understand. We want to encourage Filipino youth and families to find common ground and understanding with each other and aid in the normalization of mental health in the Filipino community. Before we begin, we wish to acknowledge that the land on which we gather is Treaty 6 territory and a traditional meeting ground and home for many Indigenous peoples, including Cree, Salto, Naistapi, Blackfoot, Métis, and Nakota Sioux. Today, it is a privilege to have Aliyah here um, with us today to speak about anti-Asian hate. So without further ado, Aliyah, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So my name is Aliyah. I am going into my fifth and final year of electrical engineering at the University of Alberta. I've been living in Alberta since I think I was nine years old. And ever since I've been here, I've lived in a really small town. Um, I'm not sure if I should be naming the town specifically, but in grade five, if I remember correctly, I was the the only, if not one of the only non-white people in my class. So that was something I had to deal with for um, a few years while I was growing up. So can you tell us a little bit about what your experiences has been with racism? Of course. Um, Yeah, so I think it was really important to point out that I was one of the first. Um, Going into high school, we ended up with a few more Asian immigrants coming into our school. So I, I was no longer the only one. but It actually led to a little bit of an unfortunate nickname. Since I was the first one, they called me the original Asian. For a while, my nickname was actually the OA. And at the time, I didn't really find anything wrong with it, I guess. (laughs) I was just like, yeah, I was the first one here. Like, no big deal, right? But as I've reflected on it over time, it's really come to light that that was their way of showing that I was never really gonna be one of them. I was just one of the Asians that came. I just so happened to be the first. That's one experience I had. Another one, coming up to the end of my high school experience for my yearbook, um, we decided to do superlatives. So stuff like worst driver, like best dressed, and everyone voted to see who would get what. And uh, I'm going to share my screen, actually, and show you guys what I ended up getting for my yearbook. Since it's a podcast, of course, I'll say it out loud. But I was voted most likely to get deported. Again, in high school, I, I really, I tried my best to have like a sense of humor about being like an immigrant, being the first immigrant. And so, you know, I tried to make a joke out of it. So the other two sections of the yearbook entry 
is um, future plans and then our yearbook quote. So I was voted most likely to get deported. My future plans, as a joke, I said, not get deported. And then my quote is, is that racist? Now, five years later, the answer is yes. It is absolutely racist. I am so ashamed every time I look back at this yearbook photo. When did that realization happen? Like you said that you kind of just went with it, went with the flow, just said, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Um, most likely I've been in workplaces where I'm the only Asian person and you kind of go with the jokes like, oh yeah, put her in the back. Cause she's like the colored person or whatever. And I also only now realize that that's not right. But at what point did you start to feel that way? Actually, I, I had a really hard time in high school. The racism was most likely a part of it, uh, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. So I actually didn't stop to think about my yearbook quote until we were discussing this podcast about anti-Asian hate. I had completely forgotten that that was what my yearbook quote and what my superlative was until I was discussing with my sister and she was like, you remember that's what you wrote, right? That's what they voted you as. And I genuinely didn't. I think like I just blocked it out. Maybe <laughs> like after the end of high school, I was like, okay, we can forget about like that part of my life. And then I didn't really realize until I had the time and I had the reason to reflect on it for this podcast. So even though it's a really sad realization for me, I think it's really important to know that that was a part of my high school experience. And that's probably like one of the reasons why it just wasn't that great for me. Wow. Do you think there has been any change in anti-Asian racism during the pandemic? Or possibly, how did you know that anti-Asian racism was becoming worse or more visible with the pandemic? Yeah, I think there's definitely been change. And like you said, I think it's getting worse. Or if it's not getting worse, then it's definitely getting recorded. Some of the more painful parts of the pandemic was everyone blaming any Chinese or Chinese looking quote unquote person. And then these videos would come out of people shoving elderly Asian people to the ground, like just abusing Asian people for something that's not their fault. Like I said earlier, I'm not sure if it's worse or if it's just getting recorded. It was really, it was pretty bad during the pandemic, I thought. Yeah, mostly my feed for a little while there was a lot of, a lot of that, like elderly getting pushed down and especially in the States for some reason. Like I always saw that like in my feed and my stories on Instagram, it was so difficult to watch. Exactly. And and when everyone kept perpetuating that it was like the Chinese virus and that and that like misnomer, just like it like I'm I'm not of Chinese descent uh, by any means, but it just perpetuated that there is that that need for like an us versus them perspective, that there's always like someone to blame. And unfortunately, Asian people always seem to be on the on the wrong side of that us versus them, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Were there any experiences that you had during the pandemic that you would say was like a racist act towards yourself or any of your friends? I I can't say that I dealt with anything personally during the pandemic. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because I was scared. There was always that fear that mm-hmm. like my parents would get mm-hmm. abused like mm-hmm. at work. Like I said, I can't, I come from a small town in Alberta and my high school experiences only show that it's not the most accepting place and they'll choose to ridicule, ridicule you for something that you can't change. So mm-hmm. on a personal level, it was really just fear for my parents, really. If yes. they were experiencing anything, any racism or any abuse, or again, something that they can't help, their heritage, something that we should be proud of. I totally understand. I, I felt quite similar to you during this time. So moving forward, why do you think racism is an issue and how are visible minorities affected? <laughs> wow, uh, that's definitely a loaded question. Um, why is racism a problem? Um, my experiences with it has just been so, it's hard to explain. Like I didn't really realize what racism was until I left kind of my small rural Alberta town because exposure is so important. Exposure to people in the same group as you, to different groups as you, with people with different backgrounds, different experiences. And that's just not something I saw while I um, was in high school. It's really one of those things that is, it's so hard to even think about. Like I said earlier, first discussing this with my sister, I was already starting to tear up. I was like, I can't believe I let that happen. That was one of the most painful parts for me. I was, like, I was so ashamed of my own heritage of like who I was. I was so like, I didn't want to acknowledge that I was different from everyone else. So I just like let the jokes come almost. If that makes sense, I would just roll with it. Like you said earlier, it's easier yeah. to take the jokes than to, than to rebut them. Especially when for a little while, I had no other Filipinos in my grade. I was the only one. I didn't have anyone to share the experience with. So the easiest way was always just to take it. You know, if you don't laugh with them, they're just laughing at you, I guess. And I guess that's why racism is bad, especially when you're a developing kid and you're different and you're just trying to figure out who you are. At such a young age, I didn't realize I didn't realize how much that affected me and how how I made friends, how I chose my friends, how I acted in social circles until I had the opportunity to reflect on it because of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, really makes a good segue to the next question: Is that how did it affect your mental health? and your overall well-being like did you know at the time that it was really affecting you or has it just been kind of this sudden realization when you were reflecting on it I I didn't know I'm gonna be very honest I never liked my high school experience even now I don't really like to talk about it and when people ask me about it I don't really remember and I think it's because it was such a hard time for me that I may have just blocked it all out I've really just chosen to ignore that part of my life and just tried to focus on like who I am now and how I can grow from here. But that's so, it's how hard to think about that. Like there was this whole section of my life where I didn't feel safe 
to be myself, to be like who I actually was that like my brain has just chosen to like block that whole part of my life out. Like that's so crazy. I always thought that it wasn't happening to me, but then when you're forced to take a look, sit down and go through, okay, has there been something in my life that was racist that I just let slide because at the time I just didn't want to deal with it. I don't know how to stand up for myself or is it even racist? Like your quote, right? Going back to that. Is it is racist? That, is it that racist? That is exactly how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so hard to stand up for yourself in the moment. Like you're questioning, is that really racist? Do they mean it? Like do they know what they're saying? And then it doesn't really occur to you until you're right. Like you're forced to think about it. Like in, in some cases, I'm like, no, I've never experienced racism before. But then mm-hmm. again, you think about it and it's there. And that, that realization hurts a lot. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that you were talking to your sister. And so how can you talk about racism with your family and friends and why do you think it's important to talk about it because obviously it brought up a lot of things for you but how did that come about I'm really lucky my sister is also a part of Filsa she was a part of Filsa before I was but she's always had this connection to our heritage that might be a little stronger than mine was because I, I denied it so much during my growing years the fact that she had this like stronger connection with our heritage and that she was my peer, that she was someone I was comfortable talking to. And the fact that she did have the same experience as I did, that's what made me comfortable talking to her about it. It's so important. And for others who aren't so lucky to have a sibling with the same experiences or the same connection to their heritage, that's why I think it's so important to join groups like FILSA or other Filipino students associations because we've all been there. I'm sure many, if not all members of our group has a similar story or has a similar experience. And that's why I'm so grateful for Filsa. Like they are so forthcoming about being able to talk about these experiences and being able to reflect on them and giving us resources for how to handle them. Or if not resources, then just a a social group, just a support group that we can talk to. So For me, the most important part was really finding that first person that understood what I was going through and was willing to listen to it. And again, it's so important to talk about it because you don't grow, you don't learn, you don't understand what's going on. Just like I did, I didn't understand what it was until I had the opportunity to talk about it. And that's why I think it's so important even now for me to be able to speak about it on this podcast. And hopefully I'll be able to reach one more person for them to understand that this isn't good that this is racism and maybe I can help help them open up to someone yeah it is so difficult to talk about it but it's so important to talk about it and you're so right like even yourself you said you know you kind of blocked it out because you didn't want to you know I I've done the same thing so I can really relate to what you're saying and how things have gone before you really found yourself and started to talk about it and then reflecting on it you know it's it is a really challenging um 
And so based on community organization and initiatives you've seen, what can our communities like cities, ethnocultural communities, schools, or other institutions do to combat racism to build safer and healthier communities? I think one of the most important things is exposure. Like I mentioned before, there was a massive change coming from like the small town to Edmonton because I was able to meet so many more people of so many other backgrounds, so many other cultures, heritages, ethnicities, and that kind of exposure. Like everyone is human. Everyone, everyone is a person, you know? Mm-hmm. Like this is like slightly off topic, but like there, was, there wasn't a black person in my class until I was in university. Yeah. Like, how are you supposed to know how to, well, obviously you treat them as a human, but like, how crazy is that? Like, you don't have that kind of exposure. And of course, that's not necessarily a small town's fault that no, that there's not a lot of people there, but being able to give kids the opportunity to meet others of different backgrounds. So something like, um, sorry, some of my favorite experiences would be something like the Heritage Festival in Edmonton, where there's a ton of different like food booths where you can meet people from like different backgrounds. Taste of Edmonton, kind of similar, lots of food, lots of people. Like there's a Jamaican booth, you know, the Hong Kong bakery. I know it's, <laughs> kind, of, I know it's kind of silly, but like it, it really teaches you that there's more than just whatever's there. So in my opinion, what our communities can do to help combat racism is like a lot of outreach, just making sure that there are events in the community where kids, especially kids, can come and learn about everything, you know? <laughs> I hope that made sense. No, it totally makes sense. I mean, if you put food and culture together, it's kind of um, a great common ground because food really opens up different doors into communities that's not so intimidating it's like if you try food it's not like you have to go and like completely immerse yourself in a culture but you get a taste of it exactly like literally a taste of it (laughs) literally a taste of it so it totally makes sense because I think a lot of cultural events especially Filipinos I mean we always always have food and we always want to share that because our culture is so based on that and a lot of cultures are and so if we can taste a little bit of it I think we in both the figurative and literal sense that we can have more acceptance because we get to know each other a little better it's like you said it's this common ground it's this connection and I think it's so great just being able to participate in some of those things Philsa often uh, volunteers at Taste of Edmonton I just, I just think it's fun, like having that kind of exposure, meeting, meeting people, that kind of community outreach is so valuable for everyone of all ages. So that's something I would love to see more of. Awesome. And what do you think, like as individuals, what can we do as individuals to combat racism? That is quite the question. <laughs> um, from personal experience, it's about educating yourself. I, I think about who I was when I was 16, 17 years old, and I wish I knew a little bit more. Mm. I wish I looked into what like a microaggression was. Um, 
I have this other story. I, I worked at Tim Hortons when I was in high school, which is fairly common for Filipinos. I don't know if common is the correct word for it because that was a stereotype in my high school, at least that all of the Filipinos in town, they worked at Tim Hortons. Mm-hmm. So I worked there and everyone in my class knew I worked there. Of course, everyone goes to Tim Hortons. And there was this one white guy he came up to me, he asked, it's like, hey, are you working at Tim Hortons? And I'm like, oh yeah, just like part-time, or like evenings and weekends and stuff like that. And he said, oh yeah, I love it when the Filipinis make my paninis. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, what is, like, I guess he was trying to be funny. Like he was trying to like allude to the fact that Filipinos, like they make the paninis at Tim Hortons. Okay. There was just this feeling that like to him, I would never be more than that. You know, that's that's all he saw me as. And I'm not saying that being a food service worker is something to look down upon. Like, uh, absolutely not. It was just like, he just like painted all the Filipinos with this broad stroke. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it when the Filipinos make my pennies. I just, that irritates me to no end, even to this day. Like, I'm, I have never forgotten it. Um, so what, what can an individual do? I wish I was more educated at that point in my life to be able to stand up for myself. And I wish that someone else stood up for me, whether it was like a peer, especially like a teacher. I'm not sure if anyone overheard it in the first place, but that would have, that would have changed everything for me. But when you see stuff like that, when you hear things like that, just being able to intervene just a little like just saying like hey that's rude or like that's not funny I think mm-hmm. it's a small thing but it could go a really long way mm-hmm. and so you would say that that's how others could support people experiencing or having experienced racism is to stand up for them say something yeah it, it doesn't have to be a big thing like in my opinion you don't have to start a movement you don't have to start a hashtag you don't have to start a club or a group mm-hmm. even though those are all great things mm-hmm. sometimes in the end it's really just being able to say that's not funny hey that's rude those those little things it matters and I wish that someone would have done that for me so yeah I like that um Do you have any knowledge of where people can go for support? Like say if they're experiencing racism or feel like they need like any help with it? Hmm. Um, Well, the best advice I can do at the moment is FILSA is there for Filipinos specifically. And of course, everyone else, we're willing to come listen and we'll try our best to help. But there are a ton of clubs on campus that would be more than willing to listen and to help out. But honestly, I'm, I'm not too familiar with, the, with all of the support on campus, which is maybe one way that I could grow as well. Maybe look into that a little more. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, a lot of incidents of racism was highlighted and more people become aware of the prevalence of racism today. Um, mm-hmm. What do you hope people will do with this awareness now that it's becoming you know something that people are actually seeing yeah um it's actually kind of crazy to me that yeah with all of these videos coming out there are still somehow deniers out there 
you know, that are saying, no, in Canada, like everyone's equal. We treat everyone equally and kind and like kindly in Canada. Like that's only a U.S. problem. And I hope that at least like the small stories I've had today have shown that that's really not the case. Even these like small problems to like the worst videos that we've seen circulating online, this awareness is so important. And what I hope to come of it is that people will realize the consequences of their actions, I guess, like that they can do something to help and like every little thing counts. I, I don't know. I, I'm trying really hard to be optimistic about it all, but it's been a tough year and a half to almost two years for everyone. And those videos have been so painful sometimes. And there's so many and it's so scary. And I, I just hope in the future that I'll just teach people to be kind, to be empathetic, to be aware of the kind of stuff that other people go through racism, discrimination, harassment, assault, it, it still happens. And if you see it, just do your part to help. Intervene when it's safe. Tell someone when it's not, you know. Um, yeah, we can only really hope for the best, I think. And I know this might be another loaded question for you. Yeah. But what do you hope for the future? Is it too much to say and racism? Is that a little? <laughs> I feel like that's a little too on the nose. Um, what do I hope for the future? I hope that those videos taught people something. You know, it was so hard to watch them already. At least I hope that one person saw them and thought, this needs to change. I can do something about this and just treated people better just came out of it a little kinder. Those videos are already so hard that if at least one person changed, I think that's, I think that matters. Well, thank you, Aliyah. So I think that's the end of our episode today. Thank you so much for being our guest and for enlightening us with your experiences. Although I'm sure it was difficult to go back, very challenging to dig up those memories again. I want to thank you for doing that. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of determination. And I mean, you're right. Maybe if there's one, even one person that watches this video and says, oh my gosh, you know, like they went through the same thing or she went through the same thing or someone in a small town just happens to watch this episode and says, oh my goodness, you know, like she went through the same thing and you're able to help and tell them that they're not alone, that the future can be bright and that you can expose yourself and educate yourself and help others. I think that is my hope for the future. And I'm so glad that you're a part of that. So thank you so much. And for everyone else, thanks for joining us. Again, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or listen to us on Spotify. Thank you. Special shout out to the Filipino Senior Citizens Association for providing the Zoom room and Joseph Flores for editing the YouTube version. You guys are awesome.